Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode eight of Pitch to Pub podcast. I am one of your hosts, and the other one of my hosts is Sean Ovington. Sean, are you there? Evening, mate. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm here. I'm uh, locked down still, but still here. Yeah, um, no doubt you're probably laying in your bed or something doing this here. Well, mate, you just told me to um, go upstairs, so <laughs> you, you, you know where I am. <laughs> yeah, um, I just try to eliminate as much background noise as possible, really. Um, for the comfort of our listeners' ears, um, we, we have a special guest tonight. Um, in fact, they're all special guests we have on the show. However, tonight is a special guest, um, and he is a former Premier League referee. Um, he spent nine years at the top refereeing in the Premier League. And it is Mr. Jeff Winter. Jeff, how are we doing? I'm fine, thank you, gentlemen. Evening, Jeff. Evening. Thanks for coming on. No problem. I haven't got a lot else to do. <laughs> well, I, I, don't I, think I was going to go. To, I was going to go to the pub, but I thought, no, I'll do this podcast for you. Go You'd to the be, go, um... go to the pub. Have you got your own pub in the back garden? Have you? Yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's like a lot of things. When you get to my age, they're all in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, this wasn't a bad thing. At least you, at least you, um, at least you were bored. No, <laughs> you just got, you just got to get on with it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, with current with current state of play, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of hearsay going around, and, and when we're going to be back to normal with COVID, and, and and people saying that you know it could be the end of the year. Some people saying it could be spring, summer. I think. I almost think it's almost just put your finger in the air and see what kind of what's going to happen. Pick out what you believe and and, and go with it. But um, as long as we're looking after ourselves, I suppose that's most important, isn't it? Definitely. Just get your opinion, Jeff. Actually, quickly while we're on um, kind of the COVID thing, um, do you think it, it's obviously kind of football's been going on? And me personally, I speak for Mark as well. We're really happy it is because we love football. But do you, do you think it is the right thing currently um, to, to have football still, still going on and kind of the rest of society at a bit of a standstill? Well, if I was a non-football person, of which I find it hard to believe that there is such a human <laughs> being, but if there is out there people who are non-football, you can imagine them being well-miffed, you know. Mm. Everything that they can't do, yet... Footballers are jumping on coaches, trains, buses, whatever, going the length and breadth of the country, in and out of areas that we can't go to. Yeah. So I can, under, I can see that side of it. Um, I think there's got to be something to keep us going, though. There's got to be something. I know it's different. I know it's not the same without the fans there. But, you know, if you go back to the first three, four months of the lockdown, you know, I'd never been on Netflix before. <laughs> and um, somebody says, oh, you want to go, what, what was it called? Breaking Bad. Yeah. Somebody said, oh, you want to you want to get in on that? Um You'll be hooked on it, and I looked at it. Now it's sixty-two episodes. <laughs> You're having a laugh. You're having a laugh at you. Four weeks later, I finished it. <laughs> right, what do we go on to next? And you know, it, it was just a case of you were coming. You, I was going out for a walk, coming in on a night, sitting down, and just watching Netflix and one series, and then another program, then another one. Yeah. Now it's gone a little bit overkill, you know, that there's football on morning, afternoon and night. But for those of us who love football, it does give you a little bit of an option. It gives you something else to do. So, you know, and it keeps some people, more importantly, I've been involved today. And my good mate, who I know is a good mate of yours, Dean Windass, has done an absolutely miraculous job 
during lockdown, helping, putting a message out there to help people that have mental health issues. And, you know, anything that helps any individual now, the fact that there's football on the television every night, that might be keeping some people healthy, that might be keeping some people sane, that might be saving lives. So as much as it isn't the football we love, it isn't... It doesn't give us a chance to go and sit in the stadium. Um, if it's doing some people some good, then yes, I'm all for it. Definitely, definitely. We, um, <clears throat> yeah, like, like you say, we, we had Dean on um, right, right towards the beginning, and he. Um... Oh, so I'm allowed to swear all night, then am I? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a, this is explicit content. You can say whatever the f you want. Um, but yeah, obviously, if it's in content, say what you want, Jeff. Absolutely, say what you want. Um, I think I just I, I was just meaning the point of view that I don't think Dean Windass could go an hour without using a swear word. No, <laughs> no. And I, I think it was more he... like thirty seconds. I think Jeff. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a character. You live... he's a you have officiated him, will you? Then, oh yes, I, he phoned me up the other week. This is some of the Dino stories. He's hilarious. He rings me up one Saturday tea time. He goes, Jeff, have you seen what happened today? He said, um, I said, why? What? He says, Oh, Josh got sent off. <laughs> he said, um, he, he's caught a lad like he, he, he hasn't been going for him or anything, but <laughs> he's caught him with a high boot. I said, whereabouts? He said, oh, up in his chest. I said, all right. <laughs> he said, and I was just wondering, he's absolutely gutted. He said, I was just w- wondering, do you think it's worth him appealing? And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to watch um, the championship on Quest later on. I said, I'll have a look. Um and see what you think. He says, well, I thought of you straight away. He says, because I remember the first time I got sent off in my career and I was absolutely heartbroken. And it was you, you bastard. You were the one who sent me off. And, uh, and it was, it was playing for, for Bradford City at Hull City, you know, at the old ground both in yeah. the back. Um, and then, are you sure I can swear? Sure it's okay because I've got... Anyhow, it's not me swearing. I'm just using Dean's words, I think. <laughs> so I've watched Quest on the night and I've seen this challenge and I didn't actually verbally swear. I just sent him a text message. I think it went something like, appeal, question mark, you're having a fucking laugh, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it wasn't, it was one of these, like there was one in the Middlesbrough game this week. Oh, wow, that was the, horrific. The player hasn't... The player hasn't meant to do it. It's no intent. It's accidental. But if you go with your foot sort of six foot off the ground, yeah. well, in fairness in fairness to Josh, it wasn't quite that high. It was only uh, sort of chest height. But um, oh, no, Only? Only, <laughs> yeah. But, but it kept me busy because I was trying to watch the match and uh, my phone was going non-stop, you know, with everybody, how come he hasn't been sent off and everything else. So. That was, well, um, obviously, you you are a Borough fan, aren't you? And um, mentioning that high, that that high foot and, in my opinion, I think most opinion, the red card and the penalty. I mean, yeah. will, will the referee face punishment? Will he get demoted? Or? Oh, well, of course, he, sh- he, he was actually... Um, he was shot this morning at dawn because just to keep <laughs> Neil, just to keep Neil Warnock happy, because you know footballers, <laughs> footballers when they get on a football pitch, 
they don't make mistakes. You know, they are perfect for 90 <laughs> minutes. They don't get anything wrong. And, you know, everybody else who goes to football matches and watches, goes to work in the good old days when you could go to work, they never, ever make a mistake. But when a referee gets a decision wrong in the game... And regardless of whether the fact that there was 10 players blocking his view or everything, mm. he should be demoted, he should be sacked, or indeed, as I've suggested, he should be shot at dawn. <laughs> um, and, I, and I'm telling you, that, that would have suited some people yesterday um, because, um, you know, we know football fans fall into a lot of categories, but it does break down the middle when you say common sense usually isn't... Um, uh, highly featured in their reasoning um you, you want your team to win and i, I used to quote to someone today if it had happened at the other end of the field and one of our young defenders that had done it it would have been well he's not that sort of player he's yeah. not that sort of lad it was an accident the bottom line is we know he didn't mean to do it it was accidental it was a sudden rush of blood to the head. The ball's coming into the penalty area. He goes, I'm going to kick the ball. Um, and unfortunately, the outcome is quite severe. And it's a sending off. Serious foul play. And it's a penalty. But should the referee... The referee will be marked down for that considerably, I would imagine. Um, because, you know, you what. The, the great thing was, and I had this conversation with a friend of mine who was a journalist that went out for a walk with this afternoon, and we're talking about, and I said, everybody goes berserk, everybody says anyone could have seen it, everyone in the ground could have seen it, how come the referee missed it? But in real time, and I don't know whether you were actually watching it in real time, in real time there's a ball pinged into the penalty area, um, there's players going for the ball, bang, it gets headed away. And I and other people, if they could only be honest, nobody saw that in real time. Because initially, even people, the journalist that was in the ground, thought there'd been a clash of heads or something. It's when it then <laughs> goes into slow motion and is broken down, you see the foot hmm. and you see it that high. So where everybody's castigating one man for not seeing it, um, well, everybody, it wasn't one man, actually, because everybody was criticising the, the assistant referee for not helping him and not seeing it. Well, the assistant referee had one little problem. You can't actually see a foot hitting someone in the face when you're looking through the back of the player <laughs> who gets kicked. And, you know, the, the, the assistant referee on the right-hand side of the field... There's another Borough player there. There's Dale Fry's body. And then the boot hits, you know, um, Dale Fry's face. But the Lino can't even see him. There's the only person who could really see that was the referee, you would imagine. Mm. I think he was a little bit too far away from the incident. And I think he may have had a player just run across him. Now, he's made a mistake. He's made a massive mistake. He will get um, marked down. He might even be dropped from next weekend's set of fixtures. Um, but he's made one mistake. Now, if he continues to make mistakes like that over the course of the season, then he could well get demoted. 
which leads me on to another thing where people say, well, we don't want the referees who were crap in the Premier League refereeing in the Championship. And <laughs> we don't want... And we don't want players, referees who weren't good enough for the championship playing in Division One. Well, I ask football fans the following question. Why do players play for Hull City in Division One and not for Liverpool and Manchester City in the Champions League? Because at this moment in time, or possibly never, they're not good enough. <laughs> yeah to refer to um, play football at that higher level. Doesn't it follow suit that if a referee is in the Champions League, is going to the World Cup, is constantly refereeing top Premier League games, he's possibly better than a referee at the level below him. And if you're not quite good enough to be a Premier League referee at the highest level, you're still probably one of the best that's ever going to referee in the championship. Yeah. So when people get uptight and say, we don't want them, they're crap in the Premier League. We don't want their rubbish referees. That's a bit like saying, well, um, let's look at Liverpool and you've, oh, who's not getting his game, you know, regularly? Um, Shakira. Yeah. Or whatever the yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Shakiri. Shakiri, Shakiri. No, the, the other one was a singer, was it? <laughs> yeah. Um, she yeah. was, yeah. And a, better, and, a, and a better footballer. Yeah. <laughs> well, if if he, she, the singer, the footballer, or whoever signs for Hull City this weekend, our Hull fans going to be turning round and going, well, we don't want him. He's not good enough to play for Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. No, but he's good enough to play for Hull City. And he's certainly yeah. good enough to play for Middlesbrough. So, you know, th this argument where people who've never been on a football pitch yet can see everything from every angle, they do boil my you-know-what. Because uh, Yeah, that's <laughs> the word that I was looking for. Um, you know, there's people that do they want the referee hung, they want him sacked. God, if everybody think... if everybody out there in the world was gonna lose the job tomorrow morning if if they make one mistake, they wouldn't dare go into work. I think the I think the problem I won't say it was a problem that I've got, but something that I look at is obviously I'm a I'm a supply league referee, so I'm nowhere near to the standards that these guys are refereeing at, or that you referee that. However, I know I know how it works. I know how the system works. You know, you've you've got to show improvement over over time to get to where you have. You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Michael Oliver, Craig Parson, Mike Dean, um, David Coote, who's relatively a new -er referee in the Premier League, they've all been where I am. I'm not saying oh, they're yeah, going to get where they are, they have. but they've got they to have. make. They've got they've got almost got to earn their stripes. It's not like a Premier League footballer who, you know, it's like I don't know. Let's use Wayne Rooney as an example because it's topical because he's just retired. At 16, he's playing for the, he's he's playing for Everton. He then gets signed by Man United in probably one of the biggest transfers at the time, and he's he's one of the best players in the world. It doesn't work like that for referees. They've got to earn their stripes. And I don't think people actually understand that. Well, what actually you know you're making a very good point, but what the difference between a footballer and a referee is also, you've got a young footballer who comes on the scene and he's given his debut at the highest level in the Premier League. Let's say. He'll then, he maybe might get the first 20 minutes or the last 20 minutes of a game yeah. and then he might play in the League Cup, an FA Cup tie and they'll gradually sort of bed him in at that level 
And mm. as you say, every young player has a little bit of a dip in form. Well, they've come on the scene, they're the breath of fresh air. Um, but then they have a little bit of dip and then they get their experience and they go on and hopefully, you know, become great, great footballers. It's yeah. the same with match officials. You know, it always makes me laugh when they say rookie ref because it's his first Premier League game. That, that rookie ref has been refereeing probably for 10, 12, 15 years, all the parks and gardens football, and has come up through the football league. But I can tell you, and I hope, you know, I really hope that you can talk about it yourself from experience in, in the future. But the step up in everything from the championship. And let's not forget, there's some massive clubs in the championship with big attendances, you know, big, you know, tremendous history. But the step up from the championship to the Premier League is, well, look at the teams. and how It's tenfold, isn't it? It's, it's tenfold. Oh, and the rest. A team comes up from the championship and it's a massive gulf. Um, from a referee's point of view, the speed of the game, the the amount of media coverage of games, the pressure, you know, every single incident is shown um, on television. It's shown worldwide. And, you know, when a referee gets to that level, you don't all of a sudden become... A, I remember watching Michael Oliver referee, you know, reserve team football at Hartlepool and Darlington and then gradually getting up into the lower divisions. And you could tell he had something, but he didn't just become a FIFA referee overnight. Mm -hmm. And when he got onto the Premier League... He was given a lot of the... Well, the way it works, or the way it used to work, is a, a, a referee has earned his stripes, he's got his chance on the Premier League. And his first fixture on the Premier League, no disrespect to the teams I'm talking about, but he might get Fulham versus West Brom. Yeah. Mm. He, you know, he'll get the teams that are lower league, and then gradually, if he's performing, if he's doing well... He would get, the only time he's ever going to get one of the big six would be, you know, who's bottom of the league? Sheffield United. So he might get Sheffield United versus Manchester United at Bramall Lane. So he's bedded in to refereeing some of the bigger teams, but in lesser matches. And then the first time I think I ever went to one of the big five or six was... a a sort of a reverse type fixture, maybe a, a cup tie where I went to Manchester United and they were playing a team. Well, you know, I remember refereeing York City versus Manchester United in the league. Oh, court. wow. So, oh, oh dear. <laughs> brilliant. You know, that was, that was the night that Man United won, but they'd lost 3-0 at home in the first leg. So it's a long, long time before you are ready to be thrown into a Tottenham versus Arsenal, Liverpool versus Man United game. So, you know, there is thought and reasoning the way it goes. But, you know, for every referee that gets promoted to the Premier League, they're not going to go to the very, very top. No. Because in life, you know, you find your level. Um, but that doesn't make you useless. That doesn't mean that you've got to be shot at dawn the following morning because you've got no. a penalty wrong. Um, but, you know... 
the only thing that me really frustrates me is some of the comments from people who've been in the game, um, and you know they say, "Oh well, former players would make good referees." Bollocks. Former players. <laughs> former players wouldn't want to, and you've only got to listen to them talking about the game where they don't even understand the bloody laws of the game. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's a diff- that's a bit like saying, well, I've been involved in football all my life. I should be centre forward for Middlesbrough. Well, no, I, no, I shouldn't because I wasn't that good a footballer, which probably means I should be centre forward for Middlesbrough. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, people, the disrespectful and because they don't understand and people that have not been on a football pitch at any level, they've got it into the head that what you see in slow motion from 101 different camera angles on the television is what the referee is seeing on the pitch during the game. Now, the game isn't played in slow motion. It's being played at an unbelievable pace. And it's very, very difficult. All you need is one player to go across your, your line of vision and you don't see the obvious kick, the obvious punch, and um, but you're never going to change it because referees are always going to be the pantomime villains, mm-hmm. you know, they're there to be shouted and screamed at. You know, there's some fat bloke about 35 stone screaming at the referee, that, <laughs> screaming at the referee that he's not up with play, and I just sit in the stand shaking my head, you know. But <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, I, th- I think some refs uh, like to live up to it now, though a bit like uh, like you look at Mike Dean. I think he likes the uh, the Dean attention and at- the, uh, the the drama. Yeah. But I'll, I'll say I'll say this though: I do rate him as a referee. I think he's well, very good. I'll tell you good. something about Dean. Not only is he an excellent referee, he's a top bloke. Now. I've, I've worked with Dino. Dino was one of the younger referees on the Premier League towards the end of my career. And he's absolutely solid. He's a great lad. Now, he has, and I will hold my hands up and admit to this, he's he's turned into this little bit of a showboat pony with his signalling. <laughs> but I tell you something, he's the referee you want on a pitch if there's a big decision to be made. You know, he'll give penalties, he'll make decisions. Um, And, you know, people, again, it's almost, it doesn't matter whether you're a footballer, a referee, a a celebrity, Z-list or otherwise, everybody imagines they know the individual, you know, and Mike Dean's this, Mike Dean's that, Jeff Winter's this, Dean Windass is that. These people have never, ever met them. So it's very very hard and harsh to criticise He's shite, you know, he's terrible. Him. Hang on a minute, from what platform are you making this decision? Have you ever refereed a game? Have you ever played, for, you know, for a football team in the Premier League? But, you know, it's like life in general now. Everybody's an expert. It's not just football. I mean, this bloody um, shutdown and, and everything that's gone on since, um, you know, over the last 12, 13 months. You know, the, the dickheads who know everything about refereeing and football, <laughs> they, they also they also now are experts on mental health, they're experts on COVID-19. The, the better, they're also experts on menopause and pregnancies everything. and all sorts. I mean, the, we are talking now through this wonderful science of, you know, I'm sat on Teesside 
and you know we're talking via the internet and everything else it's that's all beyond me i don't know how it works but but yeah turn on twitter now that someone will tell you how it works because they know the answer to everything you know <laughs> so, yeah, Johnson, yeah. Johnson, so- the same person who's slagging boris johnson off tonight because he's an expert on politics he'll be um slagging witty off tomorrow because he knows more about covid 19 he'll be slagging the referee <laughs> off on the match on wednesday night the trouble with the world now is there's just too many experts out there yeah. everybody knows ed- everything about everything and the truth of the matter is they know bugger all about anything most of them the, you know the problem i think so I, yeah i think so i, I think so social media gives um, a platform everyone every every everyone a voice and even if it's total rubbish, they think they're preaching to people that actually care what well, they're saying. Well, I like, I mean? I mean, some people say to me, Jeff, why do you bite? I said, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> biting. I mean, there'll be somebody on there saying something uh, on Twitter and slagging let, slagging me off. You, you were a shite referee. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I was. <laughs> and then, um, and uh, then I'll just... Because I'm bored, I've got nothing to do. I'm up to date on Netflix. There's not a match on. I'm bored. <laughs> I'll just have a, I'll just have a little um, look at his profile. So then I'll just respond. I'll just go. Um, I hope you enjoyed your moment of fame, and you'll be a hero with your seven followers. You know. <laughs> you can imagine some of these doyles. Uh, they've, gone up, doyles. <laughs> they've gone upstairs. The mum's um, the mum sent them to bed without any supper for being cheap, and um, they're there on the mobile phones, pontificating about anything and everything. But the daft thing is, some people then, you know, all it takes is for one doyle to do pass some comments. <laughs> And all of a sudden, there's a full debate that goes on all night. And, uh, <laughs> but, but it, it, you know, it keeps them out of mischief, so... It does, it does. <laughs> Jeff, I want to I dig into a couple of, a couple of questions, really, about, um, obviously, your time in the Premier League and refereeing the best players in the world. Um, who, first of all, where, where was your favourite ground to go to? Well, that's, I loved... Um, daft as it might seem, because they are rather competitive with each other. But I love Liverpool and Everton because there were. Um, I mean, Liverpool's changing now. The stadium has become vast. But um, mm. Liverpool and Everton were at the old-fashioned grounds. You know, fans close to the pitch, great atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, I went to the new Tottenham ground last year when Middlesbrough played in the FA Cup replay, and it is something else. But I loved White Hart Lane as well. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, to be quite honest, there were many, many grounds. The worst thing, and the thing for easier to roll off my tongue, are the grounds that I hated. And the grounds I hated were usually the grounds that no matter what you did, you always got something wrong. And funnily enough, one of them might not be a million miles um, from from where you are. It was Alan Rudd. No, no, Boothbury. <laughs> well, um, Boothbury Park Hall. Um, I never. No matter what happened at Hull, no matter well, I sent Dean Windass off there early doors. <laughs> but then whenever, whenever I went to Hull, there was always something controversial happened, and I went there one game, and 
I'd got to the 88th minute and nothing had happened. You know, and I'm thinking, bloody hell. So you sent someone off? Yeah, no. I'm thinking, <laughs> the voodoo's broken. I'm actually going to leave Old City without a police escort. And, you know, it, I've got out of jail and holler on the attack, attacking the cop end. Um, and there was an appeal for a penalty, uh, sorry, for a free kick right outside the penalty area, hull on the attack. And I waved it away, no foul. And the possession turned over and the other team are on the attack. And as I'm running down the field, I'm just thinking to myself, I fucking know what's going to happen here. <laughs> and the other team <laughs> ran up the field at 89th minute and scored the winning goal. And I just thought, I just do not believe it. Every time I come here, there's always something happens. And, you know, <laughs> so yeah, you had your favourite grounds for atmosphere and like I say, using White Hart Lane as an example, I don't know whether it's something that goes on. I mean, players talk about it. You know, you hear the pundits going on about he scored eleven goals against this particular team or whatever. And I think yeah. as referees, you've got it into your head. You know, I whenever I went to White Hart Lane and I did, I did Spurs Arsenal there twice. I did. Um, the famous game when Man United were three 0 down at half time and one. Were you in charge of that one? Yeah, that was impressive. And yeah, one wow. one five three. And whenever I went to White Hart Lane, I thought to myself, inside you think, oh, this is going to be good today because you just almost know, know you've convinced yeah. yourself, I'm going to have yeah. a good game. Yet there was grounds, and um, I'm good at name dropping because Rochdale was another one. <laughs> whenever I went to Rochdale, it wouldn't have mattered. I remember coming to Hull City once to do a reserve team game and something happened in that. So it wasn't just the first team. It was <laughs> it was just one of those one of those grounds you went to. And I think, you know, subconsciously that that's when mistakes happen because you know, if you were running around You're almost preempting it, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. You're preempting oh God, what I hope nothing goes wrong. You're looking at your watch fifteen minutes, I haven't dropped a bullet yet. Twenty minutes, go oh, still haven't got anything wrong. Twenty five, wow, oh, this is gonna be wonderful. And then all of a sudden you're probably spending <laughs> that much time looking at your watch. You you miss an incident. And Yeah, you miss someone kick someone in yeah, the head. Yeah, exactly. That's what the ref did at Middlesbrough the weekend, yeah. But um no, I mean it was the game sometime. I mean, um, the I, I tell some of the tales on the after-dinner circuit about the big matches. And, I mean, I refereed at that particular era. Chelsea and Leeds was always a war of attrition. And it goes back to way before my time. The, do you mm. remember the famous FA Cup final when they just basically kicked shit out of each other? Yeah, chopper, chopper and, and whenever and, Chelsea yeah. and Leeds met after that, there were it was always World War Three. Now I actually, whether it be at Elland Road or Stamford Bridge, I refereed that game eight times, and it almost became known that it was like, oh, Jeff will get that one, um, and that you know, if you've <laughs> got a game like that where you know the teams, the fans, it lifts you. I mean. I'm sure for anybody listening that played football at any level, you know, there's certain games that you perhaps are more up for as a player or more up for as a fan. 
and I'm sure subconsciously it's the same with the referees as well. You know, if you were refereeing the Manchester derby, the Liverpool derby, North London derby, or you know Chelsea Leeds, which isn't a derby but has got history on it. Yeah, yeah. If you mm. are more psyched up, you are more perhaps alert. Whereas if you're refereeing a top of the league versus the bottom of the league, and you think, oh, this is going to, you know, Man City are going to batter Sheffield United the day. Are you as on your toes during the early stages of that game as if it was, you know, Leeds versus Man United, where you know you, you're going to have to yeah. have your eyes open from the first second? So. I'm not clever enough to know how the human mind works, but um, I think subconsciously, maybe it does affect people. Yeah. Jeff, you mentioned them, obviously, them big fixtures you've had and some of the amazing ground you've refed at. But did you, did you kind of have, when you say you're refing your Chelsea leads and, and you, you got like a routine, were any of the, the managers or the captains or players, did they say how to wind you up before the game or say, Come on, are you going to give out our way this this game, Jeff? Or did they try little mind well, tricks and stuff like that, that? And this is something where, as players and referees get higher up, you know, the mind games. That there perhaps isn't quite so many mind games at Crew versus Walsall as there is when Man United <laughs> are playing Arsenal. Which, again, at my time, mm. those were the two most successful teams. And you know, the likes of Fergie, who was. Um, very, very clever. He, he, um, his comments weren't necessarily about that day's referee or that day's performance. He was playing on the minds of, you know, Man United haven't had a penalty. We haven't had a penalty in five games. And he's telling that at the end of today's game, thinking that, well, perhaps is the referee who's coming along the next week or the next week, as he got inside his head that, referees are scared to give Man United penalties, whereas obviously the opinion out there in the world would have been that referees were more inclined to give Man United penalties. So there was a lot more yeah. mind games. Players, you know, they will take any opportunity they can to get away with anything. The only difference was no disrespect to the brilliant players that were around when I was refereeing, but they weren't as clever as what modern-day footballers are. And the pace of the game is so much quicker. I mean, if, again, you're being honest, and, I mean, the trouble is with football, 99% of the people watching a football match have got a vested interest for one team or the other. And they don't want to yeah. see what is actually happening. They just want every decision going in their favour. Um, yeah. But, you know, out there on a football pitch now, the speed of players running at the penalty area and going over at the merest contact or indeed drawing contact. You know, I think Ronaldo was the first player that I really remember being very, very good at running at high speed into a penalty area and going down. And there was definite contact but it was, well, who made contact? Did the defender make contact with him? Or did Ronaldo at the last minute just lean in yeah. or flick his leg out to take contact, which obviously the speed he's running at puts him on the deck. And I watch games on the telly now, and you've, you've, you've got an inkling. You think, oh, that looks like a penalty. But then when you watch it in slow motion from a different angle, 
Um, it's the attacker that's actually made the conduct rather than the defender. So, you know, I'm not... When I don't criticise a referee now, people will turn around and say, um, oh, sticking up for your mates, you're all the same, you lot. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not a case of that. It's a case of, I'm not going to... I know what it's like because I've been there and I've done it. And I'm not going to castigate anybody until I know 100% that I'm right in making that opinion. And, you know, all right, yesterday, because I got a view of it in slow motion from various angles, I was quite happy to turn around and say, well, you know, it most definitely was a red card offence and a penalty kick. But, you know, on mm. most other incidents, you've got to watch it a few times. Um, and, you know, you listen to both sets of managers and coaches and what have you after a game. And they've seen it totally and utterly differently with a vested interest in mind. Um, it's become... I mean, there are some games and some challenges where, you know, they're almost unrefer... Un, is that such a word? Unrefereable because, you know, because <laughs> uh, you just don't know, you know. And in my day, you were always told, if you don't know, you do out. You know, if you you're not a, you yeah. can't start guessing. You can't sit, you know, assuming because otherwise, well, there's no point having a referee if you're just going to flick a coin or. I I saw after one of the pundits on the on the Middlesbrough game. I think yeah. it was Joby McEnough. He said he said, "Oh, the refs missed it," but he should then see by the state of his face. And use common sense. That it's a penalty. Like how can you? you can. Do that? Well, <laughs> so some, something. So something I was taught is you can't think that. For example, you can't think he's made contact. You can't think he's offside. You either are one hundred and ten percent sure, or you're not, and you can't give what you can't see, regardless of the state of that. And I think that's what I've been well, taught. Well, and it's kind of I'm somewhere in the middle of that because I listen to both. Joby um, McEnough and also it was Gary Monk and I could understand yeah. where he was coming from in the sense that you can't guess on offside you can't guess on a penalty you either think it's a penalty and give it or you're not sure and you don't give it but if you are slightly out of line on a challenge and you look down and you see a player's leg bent backwards um, and the, re the players have reacted, then maybe I could see the sense in what Joby McEnough was saying because, you know, in buying that second and seeing the end result, I think there would be a tendency for a referee to think, I've missed that, that's bad. Um, and, you know, what you've got to, in that split second before you make the decision, you've got to sort of say, well, how else could that have happened? Mm. You know, and... Yeah. I, I'm not disagreeing with you, Mark, but I, I think there's probably times... Um, I mean, let's be honest... 
we're talking about an extreme incident here, but how many times as a referee on a football match have you had a situation where it's gone ping-ping and it, is it a goal, goal kick, is it a corner? And in that split second before you point, there's um, player reaction actually helps you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It you does, know, yeah. play yeah. reaction can and I'm, you're not. You're saying, "Well, hang on, are you trusting the player?" No, I'm. I think sometimes it's what does football expect as well. Yes, um, you know. Yeah. I mean, there was something I was always taught was if you let's say that there's an incident happens in a penalty area, and you were thinking to yourself, "That's a penalty," but nobody, but nobody appeals whatsoever for the penalty in that split second before you decide whether you point into the spot or not surely through your mind is going hang on there's there's something not quite right here because normally players appealing for penalties when they aren't penalties so if nobody's appealing and, you know, if you're making a decision in the game that is going to surprise everybody, you'd think to yourself, well, hang on, have I got this right? Have I really seen what I think I've seen? And what people who've never been on a football pitch don't really appreciate is just how fast it is. I'll give you a perfect example yeah. of that. Until a few years ago, before goal line technology came in, Fans, pundits, managers, anybody and everybody that came out with these stupid statements like everyone in the ground could see that had gone over the line. Um, Yeah, well, I used to say, I remember when I used to do the post-referee when I used to do what Dermot Gallagher's done recently. I used to be on Sky every every sort of Monday morning. Um, I, I used to challenge them and say, have you ever stood in a dugout or sat in a dugout and you're saying that was clearly in the penalty area? And if you or anybody else listening to this show goes and sits in a dugout, what white lines can you see on a football pitch? You, the one in front of you, one probably. in front of you, if you're lucky, if it's a decent day and the conditions are good. Everybody's used to watching football from a television gantry, you know, on your television screen where you're looking down at all these pristine white lines. And, you know, the ball is driven in at 80 mile an hour, hits the underside of the crossbar, comes down, bounces over the line. And everybody in the ground could see that ball was over the line. The person in row one behind the goal at the other end of the field could tell you that that ball had clearly... Cross the line. Well, he's got the best view. He's and got the best view. The yet, fact that he's hundred yards away and can't even can't even see the bloody penalty area, let alone the goal line. But what goal line technology has done when the ball comes down and it shows that the ball was a millimeter from not being fully over the line, and all of a sudden now people have accepted video goal line technology yeah. and. Gone are the silly comments of, well, everyone in the ground could see that was gone in. Because the naked eye, I'm assuming, is incapable. And don't forget your linos 40, 50 yards away from the 
point with a goalpost to look through. And the ball's driven in at 80 mile an hour and hits the underside of the crossbar, bounces down, bounces out. The, the assistant referee, before goal line technology, he's guessing. He, yeah. he cannot physically be capable of seeing that that ball is all over the line or not. Now, goal line technologies took that away, and one of the best things that's been introduced, and everybody thought that, well, VAR was going to solve all the other problems of the world. And uh, and all it's done is <laughs> bollocks the game up totally. And, I mean, I hate VAR with a passion. Um but that's another subject for another three-hour podcast. I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jeff, I've got. Um, I think I've got um, a couple of quick-fire, quick-fire questions and answers here. If you, if you, uh, if you can, if you can yeah, go no through it. So, the most difficult, the most difficult player you've refereed, and why? Oh, bloody yeah! <laughs> um, there were a few players. I mean, Roy Keane was a player that you could never have any banter with. Um, I. Yeah, really? he'd have no banter at all. Just he that was, yeah, <laughs> sarcasm, <laughs> wonderful. Um, he's he's, um, <laughs> but to his credit, he was so focused on the game, he didn't want to be bothered talking yeah. to referees or talking to anybody else. Um, and there were just some players that you didn't get on with. And I always make the comparison of, you know, you work in a factory, you work in a bank, you work wherever, you don't get on well with everybody. I like to think I had good banter with the majority of players, but the work players, you know, Steve Staunton was a very difficult player to ever have any crack with. Right. Danny Mills was another one. I sent him off playing for Leeds at Arsenal. And I don't, I, I don't yeah. think he ever forgave me from that day on, you know. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I just put it down to different personalities. Yet some of the people who... You know, some of the people who you'd think would be more difficult, you know, you sort of combative little midfield players, your um your um Dennis Watt. Savage? What was Savage well, he like? He was all right. Anyone who has a dump in Graham Paul's toilet without asking permission is all right by me. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean there were those sort of players. Um, you could have a bit of banter with you. Could have a little the fiery ones who could t- get, they could hand it out, but they could also take it. And I always think that that's the yeah. way some people up in life. You get the the person who's very sarcastic and piss taking, but you turn on him and have a go at him, and he doesn't like it. Well, that sort of character <laughs> on a football pitch, it's it's going to be a one way street. But most, you know, yeah. Incy mm. was always good. Incy, I used to call him a tub thumber because whether he's having a whether he's having a good game or a bad game, he'd come flying at the referee, ranting and raving, and you know whoever he was playing for, the fans would be, "Oh, look at Incy giving the referee some get in there, son." But with, with Incy, <laughs> I'd just tell him to go away with two words that are used for, to describe going away. And um, I'd just say, yeah, I'd just turn around and say, hey, you're having a shite game yourself. Get off my back. And then, you know, he'd come at me over a decision <laughs> and a few minutes later he'd have a shot and it'd go 10 yards wide and I'd just run past him and go, that was crap, that. And he'd look up at you and then start, and then he'd start <laughs> laughing, you know, and he'd say, I fair play, ref. You know, now, if you did that yeah, yeah. to a lot of players, they like the banter. 
but if you did it to the wrong player, you can't talk to him. And yeah. I, you hear the odd tale nowadays of players. The referee said this to me. The, you know, I mean, I know the referees being mic'd up. I mean, if, if I'd have been mic'd up, you wouldn't even know where I was now because I'd have lasted about five minutes. Um, in my day, <laughs> different generation, that you could have a bit of banter, have a bit of crack. If they swore at you, you'd swear back at them. And you kept 22 players on the pitch and everybody was happy. Nowadays, I mean, the, the referees, they'd be thrown off because people can see what's being said and um, they're, not, they're not allowed to do it. And I think, in a way, whilst I'm not condoning what I did and what many other referees of our generation did was right. It worked and it seemed at the time yeah. we got more respect of the players because, let's not forget, pl people go to watch players. They don't go to watch referees. Players are highly no. paid, highly tuned athletes. The, it's an emotive game. They get very <laughs> excited in the heat of the moment. They don't, and no disrespect to those of you who are school teachers or the like, but they do not, they're not school kids and they don't want a lecture. They don't want, um, you know, no. a finger pointing referee, do not do that, do not do this. They, it's, it's their workplace. We're in the factory, on the factory floor. They're effing blind in training seven days a week. They're not going to stop for 90 minutes on a Saturday. And your job is to keep 22 players on the pitch and to man-manage them. And that man-management mm. appears, I don't know because I'm not on the pitch, I don't know what's being said nowadays, but that man-management does seem to have gone away. Everything's... It it seems like they've taken the personality aspect of referees out of it. They're not they're like drones now because it seems like you say there, Jeff, that you could the best way to manage but people then is you by see, having relationships with them, and you yes, could do. But you see, then going back to something we said a little bit earlier on, when you've got a referee that has a bit of personality, has a bit of crack, the likes of Mike Dean, then people quite quickly mm. turn around and go, oh, he wants to be the centre of the attention. He wants to be the star of the show. He just wants to keep the players enjoy, enjoy what, what he's, he's doing. doing. I mean, the greatest thing that we saw of Mike Dean a couple of years ago, because everyone in the game knows he's a Tranmere Rovers fan. And, you know, when he's on the Tranmere, actually, yeah. that did more for his image than him ever refereeing ever would do because people thought, hang on, the yeah. referee is human. He's actually a football fan. He, he never referees Tranmere Rovers, but they're his, they're his yeah. team. That and, is. Oh, of course it was. That video I mean, footage he, he was, was mental, fantastic. Right? Him, yeah. was, <laughs> I, I mean, he was pretty yeah. stood on the wasn't he? Um, but, I mean, that's the <laughs> He's absolutely top draw. Uh, it must be something about people called Dino that are as mad as hatters. You've got... You were dealing with that. <laughs> team. But, um, you see, uh, people will always God. turn it. So, one, we want personalities. One, we want people that have a bit of crack and use man management. But at the same time, oh, we don't want them the showboat ponies. They want to be uh, the centre of attention. You can't have it both ways, you know. So, people will use whatever argument they want to justify their point. And Mike Dean's crap. 
yeah, he is crap. He's been on 20 years on, on the Premier League. Um, yeah, easily 20 years, or more than 20 years. And people turn on and say, he sent off 100 play- players. He, he must love sending players off. During those 20 years, the number of games he's done, he must have done, I'm guessing, somewhere in the region of, of 600 games, you know, highest profile. He refereed in Europe as well. Um, and, you know, you can make figures say yeah. anything and everything. If you get in the nothing games where no, nothing's happening, there's probably more chance that you can keep your cards in your pocket. If you've got, you know, the, yeah. the cup finals, the cup semi-finals, the championship deciders, then possibly that referee is going to have more red cards than another referee. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very good point, Jeff. So a couple more here for you. Um, best player you've shared the pitch with? I would say on pure talent... Gaza. Um, uh, I had a feeling now, I refereed Gaza when he was 16 years of age, playing for Newcastle United reserves and intermediates. Um, people say, "Oh, well, he plays for the two team. He played for the two teams that you love, Middle Middlesbrough and Glasgow Rangers." That doesn't <laughs> come into it. But sheer skill, I mean, an ability Gaza could have and should have be mentioned in the same breath as Maradona, Pelé's and and the best. He was that good. Um, Didn't quite fulfil, despite the fantastic career and what he did for his country and everything else he he did, he perhaps didn't achieve as much as his talent, you know, should have done. Um, One player who I absolutely loved was Gianfranco Zola. Not only as a footballer, but as a person on a football pitch, you know, I always smiled. I would never give you any lip or anything else. Always got on very well with. So, you know, Gaza most definitely. Zola was another one. Um, And many, many more, you know. I mean, there's so many footballers blessed with tremendous talent, you know. And I, as somebody that could just about put one foot in front of another foot on a football pitch I sort of look back at the end of my career and think well I was privileged to actually be on the same pitch as people of that ability Um, you know I was never going to play Premier League football I was never going to play professional football as a footballer but you know I I got to have um, a considerable number of years in the professional game Um, and for that I'll always be grateful at you know, nowadays it's like anything in life. When you look back, um, the money's much better now, and a lot of things. You know, the, the referees are looked after pension-wise and everything else. In my day, that wasn't the case. But having said that, I still think we had the best years. Football now at the highest level—it's not a sport; it's a business. Um, and, I, you know, some of the enjoyment has gone out. I mean, I spend a lot of time, as well as going to most Middlesbrough games and most Rangers games, um, because the way the fixtures fall, I can usually do Middlesbrough and Rangers midweek, Middlesbrough and Rangers at, at a weekend. Um, but the rest of the time, I, I, watch, a lot of, I watch a lot of non-league football. Um, and to be quite honest, that grassroots football is probably more enjoyable 
than going to Premier League, especially with VAR and the mess that's making of the game nowadays. So, And I think the one thing that's happened over this shutdown um, and fans not being allowed into stadiums, um, a lot of people have started going and watching you know, non-league sides when they were allowed to. And, you know, the cost of going to watch, you know, in the whole area, North Ferriby or wherever, you know, um, there's so many, especially here in the northeast where I live, you know, I mean, there's any number of teams all the way through the northeast playing Northern League and then up into um, National League North and what what have you, um, where you can go to a game of football at a relatively low cost. If you so desire, you can go and have a pint and stand by the side of the railings and watch the football. And a lot of people have sought their sort of football involvement when they couldn't get to the professional grounds. And I just wonder when, you know, we hopefully do get back, how many of those people will have got used to going and watching Stockton Town or whoever it might be and maybe don't go back to watching Middlesbrough. Um, Do you know what? It's great you say that, Jeff, because um, obviously we've been involved in the Northern League um, and refereeing in the Northern League. Um, at the start of the season, obviously, people weren't allowed to go into stadia. So I think I did a game, I think I did a game at Redcraft Athletic, and there was something like 200 odd people there. And, and like normally when you get 40 or 50, you know, that's a considerable well, amount I'm, of players, down, uh, people down watching. And it was, I'm it was great. Season, it was great. Uh, at the beginning of this year, um, I I work for Middlesbrough Football Club, so I don't need a season ticket there. But I've got a I've got a Rangers yeah. season ticket at Ibrox, and I actually bought yeah. um, peanuts. I, I it was I thought well, it's putting a little bit of money into the club coffers, and I bought a season ticket at Rangers yeah. Athletic and a season ticket at Stockton Town, and until you know the lockdown and them not being allowed to play at that level when they were when they were allowed a small number of fans in. I think I've seen Redcar Athletic play four or five times this season and the same with Stockton. And it was yeah. enjoyable. You could go along. There wasn't the sort of excessive stewarding that you get at some of the um you know the professional yeah, yeah. clubs. And um great and the, as you say an atmosphere. You go to I've been to Redcar this season and you look at it round and you're thinking, hang on, there's twice as many people are here that used that used to be here. And um, I think that will continue. Yeah. I said, um, Say again, Jeff. I, said, I, I think that will continue, that people, you know, you, you can go and watch football for, depending on which level you're at, but from about six quid, eight quid, and even up to sort of, the level that Spenny Moore and Darlington are playing at in, in, in South Shields in the northeast, yeah. you know, it's 18, 20 quid. Um, you can take your kids along and, as I say, you, you, can, you can have a pint, a pint and stand by the side of the pitch and it becomes a more enjoyable day out. Um, certainly a, ch- a cheaper day out. It does, and it does. you would argue... It's you know you would argue it's real football, um, it's grassroots. You don't see that so much of the diving and the cheating and everything else at that level as you do at the higher up. So 
I think non-league football and grassroots football, if it can survive with the lack of revenue coming in, that could really end up prospering after hopefully this is all over. Yeah, look, Jeff, um, I, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. It's a good insight and, you know, it's just brilliant to chat to obviously someone like yourself who has, you know, um, a lot of knowledge and experience within the professional game and obviously within grassroots as well. So um, thank you it. very much for your time. Um, yeah, it's it's been great. It's been great chatting to you. Um, we normally have a couple of quick questions before we finish off. Um, my first question is, um, does pizza so does pineapple belong on a pizza hey, yes you? it can do with the right things i i they, they were sweet sweet and sour <laughs> goes well together raspberries with strawberries with steak um yes yeah no i'm, I'm, all, I'm, all, for, I'm all for that <laughs> and um and before before sean asks his question um What's your what's your drink? You go off into what? the pub. Bear in mind, what, it's not the pub, pub in your garden. Sorry, but... It's um, <laughs> yeah. We're lockdowns <laughs> over. We've all been vaccinated. It's it's twenty twenty two, um, December twenty twenty two, and you're off into the pub for the first time. And what's your what's your tipple? What's going to be a gallon of whatever's order, available? I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, if I go into a pub, I'll um. I don't mind a, a lager or cider, um, um, and then I'll get on the vodka. Yeah. And oh, that first night—it's going to be wonderful, isn't it? We'll we, we'll all we'll all have. We'll... Yeah, not a big drinker, <laughs> but you've just gone from cider to to, oh, to beer yeah, to then vodka. Don't, don't forget, all in the space of thirty seconds. That's impressive. Sort of twelve months plus. Um, <coughs> there'll be there'll be a lot of yeah. there'll be a lot of sore heads <laughs> that first time we go out. But but whatever oh, whatever it is, whether it's Sean. cider or lager, you've always got to dip a bit of pineapple in it. <laughs> <laughs> you've, got, you've got to have your cider. You've got to have your cider and your lager. Ah, uh, nice now you're talking. That's what you need. Nice palmo. <laughs> Go on, Sean. Ask your question, mate. Yeah, so, so Jeff, so say you, you have to watch the, the borough on a Saturday and you, you get up Saturday morning, you've got a nice sausage and egg bath. I'm uh, a brown man normally. A red and a brown. I, I do prefer, but it's horses for courses. And, you know, yeah. I have red occasionally, but if it was one or the other, I'd go brown. Oh, I like it. Yeah, brown, brown, brown's the most. I'm, pr- I'm pretty so sure. I'm pretty sure brown. I am the only person that's see, gone red. I can, I can have red. With, I could go red with bacon yeah. sometimes, yeah. but I couldn't go red with. I couldn't go tomato sauce <laughs> with uh, sausage. You know, Tom, sausage is just crying out for brown sauce. Oh. Sausage yeah. is crying yeah. out for the brown, <laughs> eh? Never mind. <laughs> on that on that note, we we shall end. Um, Jeff, again, thank you very much for your time. Um, me and Sean, I know I've enjoyed it. I'm sure Sean has as well. Oh, yeah, fantastic. No, it's been fantastic. Talking about the yeah. I'm hopefully. Absolutely, absolutely, exactly, and, exactly. Um, hopefully, we'll catch up with you guys. With you soon. Cheers. Cheers, Jeff. Take care, mate.